Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss a little bit of an off day here for the Nuggets as we get into the thick of its final 10 games of the season on track. Really excited to be able to go over this. I've got another guest who's going to be coming on in uh, tomorrow's episode that we're going to be talking about the MVP race, Denver's title hopes, things like that. So if you're listening to this podcast, make sure to uh, tune in for tomorrow's episode as well. Uh, But we've got a lot on the docket today. Really appreciate everybody for hopping in. Uh, I usually do this in the recap pods, but I wanted to make sure to go over the record for Denver as we kind of approach the final stretch here. Ten games left in the regular season, and Denver's done the majority of their work, and it's obviously been very positive with what they've done. 48-24 and record, 30-6 and at home, 18-18 and on the road. Still needs to get up a little bit, but I think Denver's on track to right that wrong a little bit. And then they are currently in the first place spot in the Western Conference. There's a lot to like about where this season still is, even if there's been some highs and there's definitely been some lows. Denver, over the course of the entire regular season, has just been really good. And Nuggets fans, I I know they get caught up in the minutia of it. They understand just how, uh, how much the swings can really affect the franchise. But think about where Denver is right now. And then think about where everybody else must be, because Denver is still like they have the first spot in the Western Conference with a bullet because everybody else has been screwing around. And you see the Kings have been uh, really trying to come back. They're currently in a deadlock in the middle of the fourth quarter against the Utah Jazz. Uh, Memphis did come back against Dallas. Those are two matchups that Nuggets fans, I'm sure, were interested in, hoping to go one way. Obviously, they don't go the way, but we'll see about that Kings matchup. Somebody in the comments, make sure to keep the audience appraised of where that game is going to finish because we are going to be talking about magic numbers now. And obviously, that game, uh, that Kings game, has big ramifications. Uh, Denver, over the course of this season, has now clinched a top four seed in the West. It is a big deal. It is a really, really big deal for this Nuggets team. I'm excited for. Being able to cover a home playoff series, games one, games two, in the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, and if Denver does win that first round series, assuming that they don't like completely collapse over the course of these last 10, they'll probably host a second and a third round playoff series as well. So that's what it means to take the regular season seriously now. And Denver has taken the regular season seriously, or at least more seriously, than just about every other team in the West. And that is an exciting thing for Nuggets fans, at least I think. Uh, But as you see on the bottom of the screen, that one seed magic number is a little bit different than the top four seed. And over the course of these next 10 games, the Nuggets still have to figure out what what they have to do in order to clinch that one, in order to make sure that they're going to be the best possible uh, seeding that they can be. Now, I didn't include anything in the Eastern Conference included because I don't think that Denver is going to be able to catch Milwaukee for that top spot in the entire NBA. I don't think they're going to be able to catch uh, even like 
Philly did lose to Knights, but they are in a I mean, they also do have a pretty tough schedule. So it's not like it's not like it's impossible for Denver to catch Philly because they play each other. So that's always going to be that's always going to make it a little bit easier. But uh Philly lost tonight to the Chicago Bulls. So Nuggets fans that were very worried about their own potential issues against the Bulls. Uh, Philly also did too. And they they even got a massive performance out of Joel Embiid, though he did foul out of that game. How sad. Uh, But Denver, I think at this point, if you've got a magic number of eight heading into those final 10 games, Nuggets fans should be excited about where things are going to go. I'm putting up the remaining Nuggets schedule on the bottom of the screen for people that are listening on the audio version. Uh, I think that this is going to be a very important stretch for Denver, as every final 10-game stretch is for any team that has self-respect. This is one of those where if Denver does come out of this with a positive record, if they win the games that they need to win, if they perform in the right moments, then they are going to go into the playoffs with momentum. They're going to go into the playoffs with, and I know that momentum is, it's not the most important thing in the world, but there's something to it that as long as you don't go in uh, having lost seven of your previous 10, or in Denver's case right now, five of their previous seven, then you're probably going to be okay if you don't do that, uh, regardless of what you actually do. I do think that the Nuggets, over the course of these next 10, are going to figure out just exactly how they compete with some of these top teams, whether it's Milwaukee, whether it's Philly, whether it's Phoenix. Uh, And Golden State is also there, although I don't really consider them a top team. They are a legitimately average team uh, that is very consistent with what they've done. Uh, They are now 37 and 36, I believe. Uh, Let me just check that to make sure. Yeah, so they are in the sixth seed currently, which I, I think says a lot about where the Western Conference is right now. But they are the sixth seed. They have their four and six in their last 10 games, Golden State is, and Steph Curry's played in a lot of those games. It's not like they like they, they should be better than where they are, but a lot of these teams, I think, could say that in the Western Conference. And because Denver has performed throughout this entire stretch of regular season, they get to benefit from that. And so they're going to go over these last 10 games. And now let's let's go a little bit deeper into all of those. Denver at this point, they have a game on Wednesday against Washington. They come home against Milwaukee on Saturday. They play Philly on Monday. And then they have another couple days off, I think. They play New Orleans and then Phoenix on a back-to-back going on the road to Phoenix. Uh They come home again and play Golden State before going back on a three-game road trip for Houston, Phoenix, and Utah, and then wrap up against Sacramento on a back-to-back at home. I think that, first of all, that is a tough schedule, and I've seen a lot of people discuss that. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, man, that could be tough, but also a lot of people say, yeah, that could be good for Denver because a lot of times Denver doesn't really bring their A game right now when they don't feel the pressure to, when they don't feel the need to. But when you're going up against teams like a Philly, like a Milwaukee, like a Phoenix, then I do think it gives them at least a potential to rise to the occasion in those particular matchups and show just how good they are. Uh, They have done that at home over the course of 
this entire season. They played uh, Boston really well. They played Phoenix really well on Christmas. They I, they've had a lot of great matchups. Memphis multiple times. Sacramento. They haven't played Sacramento at home actually. That's crazy that Sacramento, the only time that they are coming to Denver is in game 82 of the season in a back-to-back, and it actually will potentially mean something if Denver, like if they don't, if they kind of mess around a little bit and Sacramento goes off, then it would potentially mean something. But as we're looking at it, Sacramento and Utah are tied at 113 with about four minutes left to go. So hopefully that breaks Denver's way, obviously. It makes things easier for them if it does. but. If you're looking at that remaining schedule on the bottom of the screen, I just want to add in, if the Nuggets go 5-5 in their final 10 games, the Kings have to go 10-2 to tie. And that's that's a hard ask for a Kings team that has been playing above their head for a long time now. Over the course of their last 10 games, the Kings are 8-2 and and have played extremely well. And you'd ask them to go 10-2 on top of that, in order to just tie Denver if they go 500, which, again, it goes to show what it means for Denver to have performed at the level that they did, especially during the middle of the season. In the early part of the season, they I think they went like 17 and 11, 18 and 11, and it didn't even feel that great. But even in this latter part of the season, they've still found ways to get wins. I think they're 500 ever since the All-Star break, and it's not like they've come... Like, They haven't been themselves, that's for sure, but they also haven't been that bad. They've had a couple bad losses here and there, but a couple of those have also just been normal losses, like this past New York game. I think that Denver played reasonably well in that game, and does it say something about their high ceiling if they play a pretty reasonable game and they don't get a W? Yeah, but I also have seen Denver's ceiling be much higher in different areas, so and in, in different parts of the year. So I'm not super worried about it. But if I'm going to predict where Denver goes for this, I'm going to say six and four. I think that six and four is a pretty realistic number for Denver if they approach these games with seriousness, if they approach these games with the intention of clinching a playoff spot, or not a playoff spot, a one seed in the Western Conference as soon as possible. If they get into that position, and they, they take these games seriously, like they should beat Washington. They should probably beat Philly, or not not Philly, Milwaukee, who's on the second night of a back-to-back. Philly, I'm not sure how that game's going to go. Like that, that, to me, seems like Embiid will probably be extremely motivated in that one. And whether Jokic is as motivated to match him, I don't really know. But Embiid will have something to prove again in that particular matchup. But if Denver were to go... Let's say three and one across this upcoming Washington, Milwaukee, Philly, and New Orleans stretch. Then they are putting themselves into a position where over the course of the last six games, seven games, six games, that they only have to win another three games. They only have to go 500 over the course of that stretch. And what that says to me is that you can then rest. You can then put yourselves into a position where you don't have to sell out in order to become the best possible uh, to become the best possible seed. You can still rest a little bit in those final couple of weeks. It doesn't have to be going completely crazy in order for Denver to uh, just prove to everybody that they are the best team. I think that a lot of people will want Denver to go full bore. I think that people will 
want Denver to go as close to eight and two, nine and one, ten and zero as they possibly can. I don't feel that way. I think that Denver's team goals over the course of these next few weeks should be getting healthy and staying healthy first and foremost. But beyond that, it's just it's going to be about I don't know strong showings in individual games. You don't necessarily have to show up against Phoenix on a back-to-back. It would be cool, but Denver doesn't have anything to prove to Phoenix specifically. Phoenix has to rise to Denver's level. They don't have to like Denver doesn't have to rise to Phoenix's level on the second night of a back-to-back on the road. That's just not how it works. Uh, if Denver can have these good showings against Milwaukee, against Philly, maybe against Golden State when they come back from that uh, Phoenix back-to-back, then they will put themselves into a great position where they prove that they can match up with different teams and different elite players and still be extremely capable, extremely competitive. Does Denver have to go 3-0 and in that stretch? No. 3-0 and against Milwaukee, Phil- uh, yeah, Milwaukee, Philly, and Golden State? No, they, they wouldn't have to do that. I wouldn't ask them to do that at all. But the most important thing is that Denver shows up in those, in those times, in those particular matchups. Uh, and then Denver should try to clinch the one seed as soon as they can. Do they have to do it like in the next three games? No. But clinching it as soon as possible gives you more flexibility on the back end of that, where you can rest Jokic, you can rest Murray, you can rest Porter, you can rest KCP, all these guys that could probably need Aaron Gordon, especially. Uh, I think that Denver, over the course of these next three weeks is going to mostly focus on the health aspect of things, as well as tightening up different actions and different levels of execution. They're not going to focus on record. The record will happen, and Denver will get the wins that they need to, as long as they just like show up and bring a, a, at least a serious nature to it. They don't have to be perfect in these games. They don't have to be great in these games. They just have to be good. Most of the time. And they will they'll beat New Orleans. They'll beat Golden State. They'll beat Houston. They'll beat Utah. They'll they'll beat some of those teams. And if if they get things started off with a win against Washington in this next game on Wednesday, then they'll have a great place to show up and, and just know exactly what they've got to do over the course of these final three weeks. Taking advantage of the opportunities that you have is the most important thing. And if Denver has an opportunity, they shouldn't squander it. They had an opportunity against against San Antonio. Screwed it up. They also had an opportunity against New York. And even though I was more positive about that game from the level that Denver played, they still couldn't get to that elite level. And as a result, they lost that game. So Denver's got to find a way to get to elite level performance at least a couple times. Over the course of this last 10-game stretch, you don't want them to play like horribly, but you also don't need them to play elite for all 10 games. You've just got to find pockets of time. And then tightening up the rotation, figuring things out. That would be the most important thing from a kind of a schematic standpoint, is mostly just finding out which guys you trust heading into a first-round playoff series. Now, if Denver is going to play, for a first round, a second round, a conference finals, a NBA finals, then there's going to be plenty of time 
for other guys to step up across what's going to be two months of actual time. It's not going to be like they're running out of time to incorporate somebody. And just because somebody doesn't play well at the beginning, that they can't play well at the end. Denver has at least a little bit of a runway there if they take things seriously, if they are as focused as they need to be on these individual games as they can be. First round series, whatever it is, they should win it. There's no doubt in my mind that they should win it. And if they can do so in, I don't know, five games, it'll give them time to game plan for the next series. And it'll give them a little bit of rest time in between those couple couple things. So it's mostly just about being it's about being uh, elite at the little stuff right now that sets you up for success going forward. So we will see whether they can do it. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss individual goals for these Nuggets over the course of these final 10 games of the season. But first, this podcast, as you know, folks, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Make 2023 the year you beat Vegas. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every single week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports. Just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boost and promo bets anywhere. So make sure to download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. This is Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all the love on the podcast. If you can, it would be awesome if you could give a like to this podcast on the YouTube side. If you're watching over there, I uh, got some folks watching over there. Really appreciate you hopping in. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Now, let's now turn to the individual goals for the Nuggets over the course of this time. Uh, also, Patrick, thank you for the update. Jazz lead by three points by the looks of it heading into the final minute of regulation. Yeah, this is a big deal. Big, big deal if the Kings lose that one because then that reduces Denver's magic number. So we'll be able to be able to update that magic number from eight to seven if, if that were to happen. So good stuff if it does happen. Um, let's go over individual goals. I have some things for each of the individual players, and I'm, I'm curious what other Nuggets fans are thinking about them, some individual goals for these guys. So if you have them in the comments, make sure to uh, make sure to drop them now. And uh, as we talk about them, and Michael will probably pull some of those up over the course of these next couple minutes. Uh, but Nikola Jokic is the guy that I want to start with. And this one, I'm not really surprised that it's kind of gone the way that it has, but the Goliokic has to find a new gear on defense. He has to be a better defender in these final 10 games than he was in the previous 10. I think that over the, like basically the previous 10 includes 
uh, just about every game post All Star break, and there's there's a few at the beginning that that don't really include with that. But Jokic, I think, is torqued down on these last couple uh, these last couple weeks, and it has led to a lot of flybys on layups. It's led to him not really sliding his feet that much. He has been a little bit of a sieve on the defensive end. And it's also like one of the reasons that Denver lost the New York game was because of his lack of defensive rebounding. And a guy like Mitchell Robinson really outjumped him, put him into a really tough position to to succeed on that end. So I think that he's got to find a level of care on the defensive end, and he's got to execute it really well. There are going to be some specific matchups over the course of these last 10 games where he has an opportunity to really do that. And I think if he goes 0 of 4 on those individual matchups, and those being Milwaukee, Philly, Phoenix, Golden State, he's got four separate, I guess it's five separate games because they play Phoenix twice. He may not play in that second game. He may not play in the first game. But I do think that over the course of those four games, uh, four different matchups, there are opportunities for him to show what he can do in those matchups without really overextending himself too far. It's mostly just about giving effort on whatever scheme the Nuggets ask him to play. And a lot of what they've asked him to play over the course of these last couple of weeks is just straight drop, is to not be as aggressive on the ball and to kind of lay back a little bit at different points. I do think that in general, Denver's obviously at their best when he's playing at the level, when he's playing aggressively. And as Swipe Cam and I talked about on the last Weekends with Swipe episode yesterday, make sure you go check that one out too. Uh, we talked about the defensive scheme that the Nuggets were using with Jokic against Brooklyn, where what he was doing during that stretch was switching out onto Spencer Dinwiddie, onto whoever the ball handler was, and then the nearest guard basically, or the nearest perimeter player, would then come double, and Denver's defense would try to rotate behind. They would try to prevent Jokic from getting isolated against, but also put themselves into a position where they could reshuffle the rotations again and put themselves into a position where all they had to do was to get to the next man. And it it wasn't that complicated. It wasn't that crazy. It was kind of, it was a peel switch, a peel uh, pick and roll X out basically, and it worked. And what he did during that stretch was really good. And, and I thought he had some really great moments against Brooklyn, uh, even against New York at times where his defense wasn't really the issue. It was just more of the defensive rebounding in that particular one. But he has that level, and I think he can get to that level pretty consistently. It's mostly just about uh, setting him up and, and putting him into a position where he can succeed in the limited defensive schemes that he could play. Although Denver is getting a little bit more creative with him, and they are putting themselves into a position where they could try new things in the playoffs, at least to try to get through a quarter or a six-minute stretch or uh, a possession here or there. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for Jokic to step up to the plate on that, and he's going to have to do it. I'd like him to find some of that gear now, while still reserving some of that effort for the playoffs, of course. Don't want to go too crazy. Um, I want to... Oh, Patrick McMahon says, Jazz win. 
Jazz win, and that reduces the sacri- or the Nuggets' magic number to seven. Because what, what it's going to do? So the Kings will now move to uh, forty-three and twenty-eight. Even though the Grizzlies are forty-four and twenty-seven, even if Denver ties the Grizzlies, then Denver already has the tiebreaker guaranteed. So Sacramento, Denver doesn't have the tiebreaker over them just yet because they've split the series one-one. And as long as Denver exceeds them, then they're going to like have that magic number be at zero. But so if Denver goes now five and five the rest of the way, the Kings are forty-three and twenty-eight. So they would have to go ten and one. Ten and one. Yeah. To pass Denver. I think. I think is that true? No. They'd have to they'd have to go ten and one to tie Denver. So Denver's in a great spot, folks. They're in a great spot. And I think Denver's going to clinch the one seed here relatively soon, but uh, it's still like it helps to get some help like that. Uh, and then I think the Kings also play Boston tomorrow night. So hopefully Boston can do one good thing and actually help out Denver. Um, okay. Finally, next year for Jokic, I did want to bring up one thing. Um, response curve says they have to pass him the ball in the low post for him to be more aggressive in the scoring department. I'm not sure that's entirely true. I really do think that like sometimes you don't have to be in the post. You don't have to be – and Denver has done this before too, where you don't have to be in the post in order to score. That's not the only location for Jokic to score on the floor. Some things that he does are the quick cuts that he uses to get into the post. And sometimes he goes for it, sometimes he doesn't. And, and Denver obviously has to look for him on those, but Murray hits him on those all the time. Aaron Gordon hits him on those all the time. Uh, KCP is working on it. MPJ is working on it. There are lots of times where Denver and, and Jokic specifically can set himself up to score without having to get into the post. Sometimes it is uh, taking the shot on the floater, and, and he'll pass out of that a lot of the time when he doesn't want to shoot. Uh, when he pump fakes and drives past the, the three-point line, sometimes he just needs to take the three. Sometimes he needs to be comfortable taking that three, but there are, there are different ways to have Jokic be more aggressive. And he's just got to look at the basket. He's got to look at it with the intention of scoring. And there are a lot of times over the course of this last, like this last game against Brooklyn is a really good example where it took him a little bit, but then he really locked in kind of in the middle of that third quarter and basically put the game away. It took a, a massive run for Brooklyn to even get it close. But it was just like, he doesn't have to do it all the time. It can be a six-minute stretch. It could be a three-minute stretch or multiple three-minute stretches throughout the game where he just goes into Super Saiyan mode, basically, and does his thing. So I think that he can do it. There's no doubt about it. And he probably should uh, He probably should do it a little bit more consistently. Uh, Tom says, Jokic's low usage rate does illustrate his unbelievable greatness. The ball is never in his hands long. He's either scoring or passing in an instant with lightning quick decisions. I agree, and it shows the it shows the greatness of his brain. There's no doubt about it. There are times where he's going to have to hold the ball. There's times where he's going to just have to make the one-on-one play, and he'll have to trust himself more than he trusts others at some point. And it just it's just going to depend on what it looks like. But I think that he's I mean, obviously I think he's fantastic. People like I think he's going to turn up in the playoffs if you 
listen to the last swipe up, uh, weekends with swipe up pod, you'll know I predicted him to average about 30, 13, and 7. So, I mean, what are we doing here? It's crazy. It's crazy to even possibly think that. So, let's now go to Jamal. I also want Jamal. What was that? I also want Jamal to find the next gear on defense. I think that he has really tapered it off over the course of these last couple of weeks as well. There have been times where he has stepped up. I think the Memphis game is a really great example of what it looks like when Jamal is absolutely locked in on the defensive end. I don't think that physically he could do that over the course of a full 48 minutes. I don't think that he could do that over the course of a full playoff series, but there are going to have to be times where he ratchets up the intensity, makes it so that he's not getting bullied in the post or like he's, he's not getting back cut or like there's, there's a lot of other detail stuff, but a lot of it is just fighting through screens, staying attached, not giving a damn who else is trying to screen you, trying to score on you. It's just taking the assignment as it is and, and being good with it. I thought he did a great job against Mikhail Bridges in this last game. I thought that that was a, a pretty solid performance by Jamal. And they actually put KCP on Spencer Dinwiddie. And I thought that that was a, a great move for Denver. Now, it, it can it can be better, and, and Jamal is going to have to step up in those moments for sure. I think he's going to have to guard Chris Paul in a playoff series against um, against Phoenix. Against Golden State, he's going to have to guard probably Clay. He'll probably guard Clay, and then KCP will chase around Steph. That would be my guess, but they'll have to mix and match that assignment too. So there's going to be a lot that he's going to have to figure out a lot, but that's one where I also think that his defensive intensity will just ratchet up when the games matter, uh, kind of like Jokic, but have another opportunity over the course of the rest of these final 10 games to get that done himself. That'll be good. Michael Porter. I want to see what he looks like when he's spending some time staggering with the second unit. He doesn't have that a lot. He doesn't do it a lot right now. He did it at the beginning of the season. It didn't really work that well, although it wasn't perfect because he had to spend a lot of time with Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan and lineups that didn't really fit that well. Bones was out there, but wasn't really running things. Like there, there are definitely some, definitely some moments where I thought he could have fit in a little bit better, but he could definitely use that opportunity over the course of these final 10 games to see what he can give to that second unit. One of the issues that you run into from a minute standpoint, I'm, I'm not really sure what his minute load is. He hasn't played a ton of games where he's been over 30 minutes in general, but I do think that that's a fair reason because he's coming off of three back surgeries and you don't want to break him. So if he is able to ramp it up to 35 minutes a night, uh, even if it's just like 33 to 35 on a consistent basis, then there are going to be opportunities for him to stagger with the second unit. Now, what what does that look like? Is it Bruce Brown, KCP, uh, Michael Porter? Is it Christian Brown in there at various points? Is it Jeff Green and Zeke Nashi? Is it not DeAndre Jordan? Is it Thomas Bryant out there? Is MPJ playing the three? Is he playing the four? There's a lot to think about in that stretch. And I just think that the most important thing for the Nuggets over the course of these next few weeks is to discover what works and what doesn't. Now, they're not going to discover a magic formula over the course of these last 10 games from a perspective of the bench. Like, that's that ship has sailed, 
I think. I don't think that there's any solving what the bench does. But there could be moments where, hey, MPJ comes back on the floor at the beginning of the second quarter along with Jamal Murray. And they play Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, and Zeke Nashi, something like that. And you just run pick and roll with Murray and Zeke. And then you have Bruce Brown, uh, Christian Brown, and Michael Porter spacing the floor, cutting, running in transition, switching everything. There's a lot to like about it. So I hope that they can get to that. I hope that they can find out some things because he, he could definitely use that experience a little bit. Um, thank you for the compliment, Diego. I really appreciate that. I'll just throw that up on screen. Uh, really appreciate it. Okay, let's go Aaron Gordon now. This one's pretty easy. Aaron Gordon's 15% from three since the All-Star break. He's made four total threes. I think his last 11 games and has taken plenty of them. Hasn't been good. Definitely could use a little bit of work there. And, and there's plenty of time over the course of these final 10 to kind of get out of that rut, uh, work, on, work on that three a little bit. He can't just be a... He can't just be a one three a game kind of player. I think Denver's going to need him to take more threes. I think he's going to need to be involved a little bit more and stay in rhythm. Teams are going to dare him to shoot. They're going to dare him on the perimeter. And for a while, he was shooting about 38, 39, 40%. Now he is down. I don't know what his actual overall percentage is, but I do think that it should be better than 15. That's for sure. So if he's shooting 15% from three in the playoffs, then Denver's probably not winning a title. That is where we are at with this. Denver needs everything to go right. They can't have, uh, they could have various weak links throughout the playoffs, but if he shoots 15% throughout, then that's going to be bad. Like, I don't expect him to because it's still very much a small sample size, but if he shoots 30%, then Denver's probably okay. If he shoots 35%, probably feeling pretty good. If he's shooting 40%, they are in a great spot. So hopefully he can get that three-point percentage turned around. Uh, the other stuff is is a little – like it, it's hard to control some of the other stuff. But Danny says it's kind of shooting variance you get when your AG is shooting down near 40% all season. He'll swing back eventually and he has a month to do it. Agreed. Agreed. And, and him having that off time between, like during the play-in tournament I think also will benefit him for sure. Uh, what it looks like in the first round playoff series versus a second or third round playoff series or even the finals, I don't know. But there will be plenty to discuss with him. There, there's going to be a lot. So we will see. Uh, KCP, I don't think KCP has to really prove anything. I think he's done enough. I don't see any reason why Denver should put any more pressure on him. I think that they should try to find some time to rest him. And that means starting Christian Brown, I think. I think it means starting Christian Brown, keeping Bruce Brown in that six-man spot and seeing what Christian Brown can do. I'll, I'll get to that in just a little bit. But for KCP specifically, he's played a bunch of minutes. On the Nuggets specifically, let's just go to their overall minute total so I can get a good picture here. He is leading the team in minutes with 2,188. 2,188 is a lot of minutes. It's not the most minutes that he's ever played. Uh, he's, it's actually not even close, by the way. He played 150 more minutes with Washington last year. He did have a couple of 
uh, injured years, or at least like not necessarily injured, but there were reduced games in each of the previous two seasons with LA. But then he played 2,000, 2,400, 2,500, 2,700, 2,500. He's always been kind of an Ironman. In general, doesn't really miss a lot of time due to injury. But Denver can still help him out. He has had a lot of time uh, to, like, he's, he's proven himself. He has done everything the Nuggets have asked him to do. He has stepped up on the defensive end. He has hit all the threes that he needed to hit. And he also creates a little bit off the dribble. I've been really impressed with him. Like, it doesn't happen all the time. And asking him to do it more than, like, once a game, twice a game, is a little bit too much. But he has run a couple pick and rolls. He's run a couple DHOs and and just, like, switched up the DHO instead of just coming off of that initial action and rising and firing. He has driven to the lane a couple times. He has reversed it. He has uh, tried to turn it into a dribble move here or there. But... Most of the time, he's just been pretty simple. But there are also times where he is like hitting step-back threes and dribbling into pull-up threes and uh, driving off the lane and, and uh, I'm not driving, driving from the three-point line and pulling up for the mid-range. Like, there's a lot to KCP's game that he's showing right now, and it's exciting. It should be a very exciting thing for Nuggets fans. So I think that he's going to be great in the playoffs. I'm really excited for that. Denver should save him. They should try to... Get him some rest heading into the playoffs, put him into a good place mentally, and just let that run its course. Danny says, KCP is the only guy I know will 100% do his job on both sides of the floor, on both sides of the ball in the playoffs consistently. Just get him there healthy. I'm with you, man. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that Denver, they don't need that much from KCP. They need him to fill his very specific role. And if he could do that, then that's all it is. That's all it needs to be. Rapid fire here before we get out. Uh, gone through the starting lineup now. Now let's go Bruce Brown. Just got to lock in and, and be better offensively. I haven't liked what I've seen from Bruce over the course of these last couple of weeks. He's one of those guys that you expect a little bit more from. There are some turnovers that he has that are bad. There are some decisions that he makes with the ball that are bad. Denver needs him to either be a guy that can step up and run some actions with the second unit, or they need him to be a better three-point shooter. One of the two. Because if Murray steps up and he's running the second unit, then if Bruce Brown is out there, then he's got to hit the spot of threes. He's got to be able to cut. He's got to be able to slash and and be a better secondary creator. Hasn't really done a lot of that. Although there are times, like he's had a couple games where he had a pretty high assist total, but over this last game, it wasn't very impressive at all. And he also kind of got on full tilt when he got a bad call going at that, or he got a bad non-call that affected him. He should have gone to the free throw line and he let that affect him and he let that affect the rest of his game during the fourth quarter. So he can be better. He, he can absolutely be better. And I think he needs to lock in. Denver needs him to be at least another dribble creator. They don't need a whole bunch of stuff. Like they, they're going to still focus on running things through Jokic. They're going to do off-ball actions. Not going to do a whole bunch of crazy stuff. But in general, they need somebody who can hit some shots off the dribble. And for the love of God, just just not the floater, <laughs> not the floater, please. That that will be that's my only request. It has not worked this year, and I do think that as as KCP has really stepped up, Bruce Brown I think has kind of fallen back to earth. 
over the course of these last few weeks. So hopefully that can change. Hopefully he locks it in the playoffs and Denver can be even better. Christian Brown. I want to see him play extended minutes with Jokic and Murray. Uh, This is more of a kind of a wishful thinking thing because I don't think that it's actually going to happen. But if KCP does get that off time, I would want Christian Brown to be the guy who starts because he's going to need some reps where everybody knows exactly what he's going to do. Everybody knows what they're expecting from him. And there's also something to be said about, hey, he's got a six foot seven two guard now. You don't have a six foot four or a six foot three two guard if you are Bruce Brown. Like Jamal six four. If Christian Brown is at six seven, if he is switching everything, uh, maybe he's at the point of attack, defending at the point of attack, and, and helping out Murray. And there's a lot to like about some of those rotations and some of that, some of what he can provide going forward. So he provides another wrinkle for what Denver can add in the playoffs. And I think that there could be matchups where Christian Brown is way better for it than Bruce Brown. And Christian Brown will play more minutes. So is it going to actually happen? No, because Michael Malone will probably just trust the vets. But there will be matchups where you're hoping that Christian Brown plays a little bit more because of his size. Uh, Matchups like the Phoenix Suns, uh, where, I mean, Bruce can be effective in that matchup. Don't get me wrong. But there will be times where he just has Devin Booker shoot right over him. Christian Brown, as long as he's defending without fouling, can provide a nice contest against a guy like it, uh, against a guy like Devin Booker, where he's trying to get to the mid range, trying to hit a fall away, and a six foot seven dude with his arm up is a little bit more physically imposing and a little bit more difficult to shoot over than a six foot four dude. So that's just kind of how it works. So Denver's going to have to figure that out with him. And Vlaco and Zeke. I want to see these guys play. I want to see these guys do what they can do over the course of these final 10 games. If you can get good action from Vlaco and Zeke over the course of these next, I don't know, 10 games, then maybe they are the missing pieces for that bench unit. Maybe they are the guys that you need in order to switch everything, in order to run good stuff, play locked in defense, and then turn it into offense on in the transition area. Uh, but also, like they just, I think they've been better and more connected on the offensive end than Jeff Green, Thomas Bryant has, than Jeff Green, Vlaco has. Than like Aaron Gordon could play next to Zeke Naji, and then you probably have your best switchable four or five duo that you could possibly get. So I want to see Vlaco play. I want to see Zeke play. I want to see those guys really show out. And we're gonna see. We're gonna see what it looks like. But I do think that. Well, it's hard to tell because Jeff, like, there are some things that he provides. And I think, I think he's been playing pretty well over the course of these last couple of weeks. But I also think that Black is just a better player and should be playing more consistently and also provides just a little bit more of a three-point spacing element. Although Jeff Green's hit a couple threes over the course of these past few games. Like, he has been pretty good from a, from a floor spacing perspective, just not as, like, impactful in the other aspects. So we will see what it looks like. Jeff, I have him as rest up for the playoffs. 35-year-old veteran. Definitely wanted him to be at his physical peak. And if he has to go up against Giannis and Embiid and switch out onto Devin Booker and chase around Steph Curry and guys like that, I think there's a possibility that like he can play in a couple of those matchups. But I also would like to see what Flacco looks like in some of those too. If Denver can come to a and at least to terms with Jeff over the course of these next 
couple games, I think that he could still play in the playoffs. He could still have a series where he really impacts things, but he doesn't have to be an every everyday player. He has to be a guy who helps out the collective, and it doesn't mean that he has to play every night. There are going to be matchups where he should play every night, and I think that there are some some games where, especially in a first-round series, it would not surprise me if Denver really goes to Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic lineups. And those lineups really worked last year for the most part, as long as they didn't have to chase around the Golden State Warriors. So if Denver could match up with that, then there could be a lot of times where they get the backups and Jeff Green gets free points and Aaron Gordon gets free points off of Jokic passes. There's a lot to like about that configuration, but it's something that you can break out. It's not something that you have to, like, you don't have to try it out now. Like, Denver knows how to run that. So I would rest him. I would put him into a the best possible physical condition that I could if I were the team. And then finally, Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant have to figure it out. They have to be guys who now fill in the gaps. They are not guys who are going to play every night. It's just a fact. Reggie Jackson's not going to play every night. He's not been good enough. Thomas Bryant's not going to play every night. Has not been good enough. If Zeke Nashi can stay healthy, if Bruce Brown can lock in offensively like I talked about, then those guys are better options for what the Nuggets need because they provide better defense. They provide better switchability. There's a lot to like about those particular matchups, whereas with Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure because they haven't really been able to find synergy with each other, let alone with the rest of the team. So if Denver could find out what they have with those guys and and whether they could really step up in a playoff situation, then great. I haven't been impressed. They're mistake prone. They are guys that the effort kind of waxes and wanes. Even with Thomas Bryant, I was a little bit surprised about some of the lack of fight that he had on the on the defensive glass at various points. So it's a lot to figure out. It's a lot to take in. But in general, I do think that those guys are probably not going to play in playoff situations unless it's kind of an in case of emergency thing. Where I don't know. Let's say let's say Bruce Brown collects three first quarter fouls. Maybe you throw out Reggie Jackson out there. You play Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, and Jamal Murray together, and you try to figure out, out figure it out that way. But we'll have to see. We will have to see what it looks like. I'm excited about these final 10 games. I think that Denver is well-positioned to clinch that one seed sooner rather than later. Uh, but we will see. Michael, hit that outro music for me. Everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. I'll be back tomorrow. Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report is going to comment on the MVP race, on Denver's title chances. And I think he has a unique perspective to be able to share with the audience as well that isn't just corrupted by being a Denver Nuggets media member. So... We should be good. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody. Hit that like button on the way out. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.